0: And so here we are on episode seven of, of the Careering Out of Control podcast with me, Will Rowe. And uh, and today I'm joined by another Antipodean. Uh, we cu- we just couldn't get enough after, after episode six with Angela Boss. Today I'm joined by Justin Morris. Uh, Justin is an ex-Microsoft MVP. Uh, he has a specialism within Microsoft Teams and uh, Unified Communications, His ex-modality has worked uh, here in the UK and overseas uh, back in his home country of uh, Australia. And he's just recently joined uh, Microsoft uh, as a Microsoft Teams meeting ranger. Uh, And I'm fascinated to hear what he has to say about his career so far. So uh, so welcome to episode seven of Careering Out of Control with me, Will Rowe. Uh, Happy 2021, everyone. So I am absolutely over the moon to uh, to welcome Justin Morris to the Careering Out of Control podcast. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and, uh, and and what on earth made you fancy fancy doing something ludicrous like this?
1: Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Will. I, I saw that you started this podcast and you had Tom Abuthnot and Steve Goodman and a few other... Uh, Scraping the, the barrel,
0: mate. Just <laughs> just Scraping the barrel with them. You know what uh, I mean?
1: Total, total rock stars those guys are so I thought uh, I thought so you have some sort of peers and um, colleagues of mine in the industry over the years uh, I thought I might offer my own experience and, and see if I could uh, help some others and listeners out there um, continue their career journey really.
0: Well fantastic and thank you so much for, uh, for, for taking the time to, to, to have a chat. Um, for those people who haven't come across you before do you want to just tell everyone a little bit about who you are?
1: Yeah, sure thing. So I'm a, a Microsoft Teams specialist uh, based in the UK, uh, but you'll notice from the, the accent, I'm not a, a native um, to the Isles, I'm originally from Australia. And this is sort of my second tour of duty to the UK, having first arrived in 2009. And uh, I started working at Modality Systems and uh, back then for a, about five years uh, before I went back to Australia for a few years to uh, lead market entry for them into Australia and APAC. And uh, did that for a few years. Then we'll probably maybe get into some details on that. Uh, and then came back to the UK in 2018 when my wife and I found out we were having our um, our first child, and so I came back to have a bit of family support around us. Uh, and have kept on the Microsoft collaboration spin that entire entire time. And uh, I was a Microsoft MVP for about six years between that stint in the UK and Australia and uh, then most recently uh, spent some time at uh, Accenture in the Microsoft Business Group, I'm um, now uh, soon to be joining uh, Microsoft in, in January in the customer success team.
0: Fantastic. Well, congratulations on, uh, on, on that move. And, um, and for those of you that, that were unaware, Justin was actually present during my first ever user group talk, uh, which, which went so badly. That uh, that did actually scarred me emotionally, and I've still never quite got over that. Um, I'll tell you about that another time when when perhaps we have more time, and and I run out of guests and just get drunk and record at three in the morning. Um, <laughs> so 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 yeah. Um, <clears throat> Justin, so so give us a a bit of an understanding then of kind of how you've got to here. You touched on it just just a second ago in that you started at modality, but how has your role actually changed? I guess over the past over the past ten years.
1: Yeah, so I think a recurring theme for me has been one of sort of launch pads of different levels of challenges. I would say. Yep. Uh, so I started off my career very much in a, a technical focus, and actually started out in exchange engineering. Um, so I was fixing. Exchange services a service that had broke down on um, SMB service for small businesses based in Melbourne. And what I did was kind of went out of being kind of uh, very broad in the Microsoft infrastructure space to then specializing in Exchange to then specializing in Office Communication Server around the 2007 uh, timeframe. And we're still kind of really focusing on being uh, excellent technically, essentially, and um, providing really good experiences and solutions for, for customers and that. Uh, and probably every sort of three, three or four years or so, I'd take a bit of stock of where my career was and how satisfied I was with the work that I was doing and look at what the next sort of jumping off point might be for me, whether that was uh, to go kind of deeper technically or to um, look at more of a sort of SME around a specific part of um, Microsoft UC or to then take a, a step into pre-sales or something more sort of sales focused. And so I've always sort of done that a bit of like current state assessment every few years Mm. And uh, what I did was at the the time I sort of probably, yeah, around 2009 to 2014, uh, I was in consulting and custom-facing at Modality and delivering some pretty big projects of sort of tens of thousands of seats of, uh, of link voice at the time. Uh, and I kind of really, I think, got some really good experience of what it takes to do that successfully, both from a technology point of view, but also from an adoption and getting into the hands of people and getting them actually... Uh, Delivering kind of real outcomes with that, and uh, at the time I uh, was pretty happy with that. And then my then girlfriend, now wife, uh, is she would always loved to um, have a, a chance to live in Australia, and uh, she said to me, "Look, uh, why don't we give that a go?" And I said to her, "Well, if we're going to do it, I wanted to do something pretty epic career-wise, and uh, looked at some considerations of do I." join an existing uh, kind of UC partner based in Australia or do a look at some other kind of more wild and sort of bold options. And um, I loved what Modality was doing from a services and software point of view and the brand that we had and people and culture. So actually what I did was I approached uh, the two co-founders and said, why don't you take a chance on me to actually um, lead the the launch of Modality in Australia and prepared a bit of a business plan and kind of what the case was going to be to, to make it work. Uh, and they, they gave me a, an opportunity to do it. And I think at the time, they probably thought, how much damage could this guy do, really, <laughs> um, at the time? <laughs> uh, and so I had no, no sales or business or management experience at all. Had would really uh, just come straight off a, a client project and thought, I know this space pretty well. I know our company, uh, and I know kind of how to do some co-selling with Microsoft, so let's go out there and give it a crack, really. And uh, I just had to kind of hit the ground running and, and learn from experience. Uh, Unfortunately, I still had a network in Australia that I could take advantage of and got some really useful initial introductions into parts of Microsoft and other partners there that allowed us to generate those first few um, deals and opportunities to sort of grease the tires and and get some revenue in. And we were fortunate that we had a a really uh, trusted global client that needed our services in Australia at that time as well. So it kind of got us... Uh, some runs on the board initially and allowed us then sort of build a brand and some client credentials to uh, take on some more work Uh, but there were definitely you know some lessons and failures along the way there that I had uh, through being a very much a techie focused kind of person um, Mm -hmm. and learning what it takes to to generate pipeline kind of qualify leads uh, move those leads through to an actual one opportunity and then hire a right team to actually deliver that project successfully and get a good outcome at the end and the client to be able to stand up and say, yeah, yes, modality in the team I did a great job and recommend them to kind of future clients as well. Uh, and there were some things there that, yeah, I sort of made some mistakes on and learnt just by kind of um, burning my hands a lot of the time. Uh, and that was, it was something that I, I really enjoyed that, into that, that challenge over the sort of four or five years, kind of being the country manager and growing and leading that business. And then I uh, got to about a time in 2018 when I was looking at what we were doing as a company, but then also the inflection point that occurred for uh, the Microsoft UC partner space where there was the communications partners and the the companies that specialized in Link and Skype for Business and the collaboration partners that specialized in SharePoint and one more collaborative kind of uh, elements of Office 365 and with the launch of Teams that was all starting to converge very quickly. And so each was trying to work out how the other one does what they do and how they make money out of it and um, Modality was really successful on the on the communications front and during my time in Australia I would had the opportunity to learn a lot more holistically around Office 365 and so I understood what SharePoint and OneDrive and Azure AD and all those kind of things interoperate within, within Microsoft Teams. So a CEO at the time or Modality CEO at the time uh, asked me to look at it from a growth strategy point of view for the company worldwide to look at what would the next step be for modality from a services and software point of view to take advantage of the opportunity that presented itself with Microsoft Teams. Uh, So he put me into a global strategy director role. And then that was the time when I came back to the UK in 2018. So kind of moved from a sales business management focused role into one of more, what's the next horizon look like for the company? What's Microsoft doing? What are the competitors to Teams doing? How do we pivot and take advantage of this? And actually then... Uh, pivot our people as well and the skill set and the learning that they need to be able to deliver really good Teams projects. Uh, And so I did that for about a year as well. And that was a really good experience to kind of really look at the market quite broadly um, and what that means as a a partner business. And then uh, at that time, I then looked for a new challenge and uh, said to myself, my entire career has been built around um, services and consulting. And I thought if I wanted to go big, and this has really been a reoccurring theme of mine, is kind of through my career, look at what is the next rung need to be in the next launch pad. Uh, and so Modality was really successful, uh, is a really successful consulting and services business. Uh, but what is the um, the kind of, what is the, the, the tier zero, tier one kind of league of consulting and services companies? And from a Microsoft point of view, really, um, that is Accenture. And so um, an opportunity came up uh, to join Accenture's Microsoft Business Group, which had been newly founded. And uh, I joined there um, in, in their advisory practice uh, to look beyond actually just Teams and, and Office 365, but across all of the clouds. So looking at, uh, from a client perspective, what their growth ambition is and what they wanna do as a company in terms of growing revenue or reducing costs or improving the customer or, or um, employee experience. And then what elements of the Microsoft platform can bring that to life. So if it's around engineering and manufacturing, what parts of Azure would be required to build out a new uh, product built on IoT or something like that, or what parts of Dynamics 365 will trying to transform the customer experience. So it allowed me to go super, super broad, left and right, between all the clouds, all the solution areas, and really understand it from a, a client business outcome point of view, things that really matter on the balance sheet and the PL. and um, And so that, really, that experience was really, really uh, very valuable from a sense of thinking about what matters to the client's C-suite first, and then looking at what the Microsoft solution would be to, to bring that to life in um, the end goal. Uh, so that's kind of something that then got me just super broad across the real intersection of technology and business quite generally. And um, then in the last six months or so, uh, this, this opportunity came up at Microsoft to, to join a new team that's focused on um, just meetings and calling with teams. And so it was a little bit of a kind of a reflection point for me career wise to look at, well, I now understand everything left to right across all the Microsoft cloud solutions, but I've built my entire career around this comms and collaboration space and it's the stuff that I know really well. Um, and it was really just sort of a stars aligning career moment really where uh, an opportunity to join, join Microsoft came up. Uh, and I thought, look, I've, I've worked around Microsoft my entire career in partner businesses. Uh, the opportunity to actually um, kind of uh, put a blue badge on, as uh, as people say, and work at Microsoft um, in a, a role that just fits me perfectly career-wise and is in my real kind of passion spot um, was something that I, I just had to explore and, and chase down. So I'm really excited for this new role, and it's a team of um, people across the globe that are really kind of helping customers do more specifically with meetings and calling on teams. So I'm um, really looking forward to this new challenge.
0: In terms of your career, you started out quite specific around messaging, moved into UC, and then as you've progressed, you've gone much wider and come back almost and, and sort of shrunk, which is interesting because uh, certainly from talking to Tom in in the first uh, podcast, what seems like many months ago, um, <laughs> he was saying that you know he sort of reached that point of himself of, of sort of moving broadly but for you you know you've you've found
1: yeah I think for me it came down to daily practical focus on the work that I was doing and uh, at Accenture I was focusing primarily on um, comms media and aerospace and defense clients and so in that role I had to understand what the industry and the client influences were and the things that were really kind of driving them growth-wise and um, changes and Uh, Moves being made at a board level and having kind of broad awareness across all the Microsoft suite, there were times when I couldn't get as deep into a conversation or a problem definition or solution architecture as much as I wanted because purely it just wasn't my wheelhouse really. So I would bring somebody else in who was a a deep SME in Dynamics customer engagement or something like that. And Mm. uh, anything that was related to M365 or Teams, I could definitely kind of go um uh quite deep into that and, and get into a lot of um, good stuff with the client uh so i really i think from a, a practical point of view it was the, the the conversations i was having the work that i was doing and outputs and things uh required some real focus and some deep understanding uh and so it'll it, it meant sort of doubling down on on what i loved and what i knew best really so would you go back into that broader role do you think because it seems, it
0: seems from, from what you've been saying that, that you prefer having that, that SME type knowledge. Um, and, it, and obviously it's a very different role and a very different conversation from a customer perspective to be able to talk across so many different things.
1: Yeah, I think <clears throat> revisiting that or looking at a different role, I would probably look to scope it to maybe one or two solution areas. So keeping it uh, related to, like, modern work and business apps or something like that, because then it's employee and customer-focused only. And uh, then things like, you know, Azure data and AI apps and infra uh, are the, the sort of realm of more like a cloud solution architect um, versus somebody who's more kind of user and uh, and customer-focused, because uh, I think that sort of allows you to, to maintain, like, a good level of sort of T-shaped skill set and knowledge mm. where you can have broad across those two solution areas, but maybe like a, a uh, uh, what is it called, like a major and a minor, really, of those to what you would really specialize in. Because uh, I think it's, and, and there's roles within Microsoft that are similar to this as well, like the account technology strategist is somebody um, in Microsoft who is broad across all the clouds but understands what the client's business and technology strategy is and which parts of the solution areas will, will bring that to life and achieve that. Uh, so I think it's also about um, what you're really passionate and interested in. Uh, like yeah. over the last 14, 15 months, I learned a fair bit about Azure IoT and also cognitive services and, and found it really interesting. And I think it's like, it's something that I definitely keep in my back pocket to, to learn more about if the, um, if the need or the opportunity arose. Uh, but it was just Teams kept calling me back. It was kind of like a, um, a siren song really. Because uh, whenever I get involved into a Teams, opportunity at Accenture I would kind of like you know crack my knuckles and be like right like this is it like I'm going to kind of yeah show my show my colors now so um there's always really exciting work to get involved in.
0: This is no longer Skype for business this is my team <laughs> this is uh, suddenly it's got it's got far more functionality.
1: It's a, it's a whole new um,
0: game. <laughs> um so so one of the bits that I'm really keen to talk about is uh, is, is the work that you did back in Australia, helping to to, to basically establish what what is in effect a, a sort of a Microsoft Gold partner uh, over there. Um, because that's an unusual set of experiences for, for people with with your sort of background. You know, that, that's obviously much more business-focused and commercially-focused, as opposed to being more technically-focused. Um, how did you have to change, or I guess grow sort of during that process and, and just quickly you know how how big was the the, the sort of the, the the practice when you left um to, to to come back to the UK
1: yeah so when I handed over the reins to my sort of like my number one um in August 2018 we had about uh, 12 staff between Singapore Sydney and Melbourne uh, we're doing a few million in revenue, and that was after about four years, uh, kind of with with the reins, essentially. So uh, it was you know fairly decent for for what it was, and for you know, the size of most average Microsoft partner businesses in in that part of the world. And how I got to that point was definitely it. And I, I articulated this to somebody recently who was in a similar situation, is that really I linked my personal identity and reputation to the success of modality in Australia. And that's what really mm-hmm. spurred me on and motivated me and made me do all the kind of extracurricular learning that I needed to do to understand the just the bare basics of marketing and kind of how sales strategies get put together and how those practically get executed on a quarter by quarter or a monthly by monthly basis and um, good hygiene when it comes to kind of deals and pipeline. And these, as a guy who knows how to configure a session border controller to get linked to talk to the PSTN was just like a complete other world really. And so I spent a lot of time listening to tons of podcasts about leadership and good business management and it was almost like a bit of a kind of crash course mba of my own kind of creation really mm. just work, work looking at what parts were a bit weak for me and just sort of bringing those up to a similar level so that when i went in and was having those initial launch conversations with microsoft or uh, our client that was putting their faith in us to uh, be the sort of launch customer not only having the uh, credible technology conversation and the right solution to meet their needs but digging into what the business drivers were for them to do that because i think where technologists launch businesses they'll kind of come in and say like we can put together the most amazing solution for you it's going to solve all your problems that's great and then they they can't work out why, why the deal didn't close and why they didn't win the work and it's because they, they didn't understand what the criticality of the business driver was in the first place, um, whether that was something that the customer had budget for, whether they were prepared to to pay, how much pain they were experiencing, all these kind of things that uh, good sales put, people learn throughout their careers. So that was a real kind of sticking point for me. And um, I'd be scratching my head really like working out like, God, this customer seems so keen to work with us. And we put together such a great solution. I spent hours in Visio and it was a really good proposal and we met kind of all their, all their questions, and why won't they return my emails? <laughs> things like this, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and I just worked out. It was like, well, clearly there was a competitor in there with a more compelling solution, or they just couldn't secure the budget. The CIO didn't believe in uh, that upgrade. And, you know, these are just things like the link 2010 to Skype for Business Upgrade or something like that that would have you know set us up project-wise for a few months of keeping some consultants busy. Uh, but just wasn't d- didn't demonstrate enough compelling value uh, for the for the customer to sign off on the budget, so there's just things like that that I learned through through experience. Um, but then also just any waking moment I had outside of work was just learning through that. Uh, and also the Microsoft Australia partner community was really supportive as well. And so they would bring together a lot of the. The leaders and sort of MDs and GMs of all the partner businesses together and help them sort of share stories and mentor each other as well. So uh, they were really key for me to learn those things that were important kind of on the ground when you're out there sort of kicking down customers' doors, trying to kind of generate demand and, and fill up the pipeline. Uh, it was something that I just had to, to tick off the sort of three or four things around leadership, uh, business management, finance, sales and marketing, and just go in deep and just approach it like I would have a tech, a tech subject, really. Like four years ago, learning about how a link edge server works and how the ports and protocols all line up, I just kind of took that same mindset and started applying it to business principles.
0: And on our pre-call, we, we, we had a chat and I was sort of talking, talking and I've talked about this fairly extensively in, in, on the last podcast, around the sort of the four or five things that I think people can do to 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 kind of uh, sort of level up their career, uh, and that that is figuring out what you want, coming up with a plan of how to get there, um, going the extra mile, and and uh, to achieve that, doing more than than you than you have done previously, finding your community, your 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 tribe of people that will help support you, and then kind of showing showing your your work, I guess um, through blogging, blogging, speaking, all of that kind of stuff. You, you mentioned. I guess the, the the community angle just now, um, but it's not a community that necessarily I would have thought would be supportive, you know, of the Microsoft partners, because obviously lots of competition between Microsoft partners for the same deals, and you know, Asia Pack is a much smaller market than than certainly the UK. How did that come about, and and you know how how was that in terms of helping you with your personal development?
1: Yeah, so when you or uh, a Microsoft partner, you uh, get a lot of support from the One Commercial Partner team within Microsoft. And those are kind of people that are brought across uh, recruiting new partners or building capability in existing partners and getting their solutions to a point where they, are what Microsoft call co-sell ready. So that a, a Microsoft sales rep and a partner sales rep can go into the customer together and they both have mutual value to present to that customer around the software, uh, you know, the SaaS service that Microsoft offer, and the services or software that the the partner offers to get that um, that service enabled and uh, creating kind of you know, tangible business value for that for that customer. And so Microsoft kind of work out who are the partners that they're going to back that financial year, and then they'll start mm-hmm. assigning people and opening up resources to them. And so I've got a lot of support from. Uh, so uh, people like partner technical architects, partner uh, development managers within um, Microsoft OCP that sat down and kind of understood our business and the people that were in it and kind of where our development points were um, from a skill set point of view, but then also kind of what our sales and marketing looked like. So the right branding and the right campaigns that we needed to launch into market uh, with the right partners as well to be effective and also in the right segments and in industries where there there was some white space where maybe they didn't have the partners that they they needed uh, and so at that time between 2014 2018 there were some skype for business partners but they they saw the value of modality at the time around the software and the services link up uh, that we had and also the the kind of global managed services capability And we also built a pretty strong partnership with Telstra, one of the big um, telecommunications providers out there, and uh, kind of linking up the global capabilities together. So between Microsoft and Telstra from a community point of view, they really helped me learn what I needed to learn to be effective. Um, Then on the technical side of things as well, I had a strong community there uh, because I was uh, still an MVP at the time, so I was able to kickstart a, a uc user group with greg sheridan another mvp uh based in sydney and so greg in sydney uh, yes that's the one yeah the um the sonus sbc uh ninja of uh, greg sheridan yeah uh is uh, listen i'm used to calling it sonus it's ribbon these days isn't it god
0: yeah okay. <laughs> no, other words, Matt will come and find you you know what he's like
1: oh uh, yeah he knocked down my door uh the yeah so um And then also there was a bit of a business strategy behind setting up that user group in in Sydney was one of getting the Modality brand kind of pasted on every wall possible really to just create a ton of um, brand equity so that uh, when customers would come along to that user group, they would go, oh, it's hosted by, by Justin, the MVP from Modality. And so when they got to a point where they needed some help around capacity or capability in Microsoft UC, they, you know it would be the first one they would call so it was a bit of a an agenda behind kind of creating all of that uh, but it was one that was sort of all up gonna kind, of, kind of feed into the funnel
0: so we talk about branding quite a lot and it's it's something which from a career perspective I guess if I went back five years I would never have thought uh, you know you know it's, it's a marketing term you know it's just not something but and yet we've we've shifted so much uh or, or you know recruitment and people's careers have shifted so much over the last five years that, that it is now a, a fact. Um, how important do you think then developing that personal brand has been to your career development?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's been critical. Uh, without being quite clear on what I'm known for and what, what eccentric or what you're famous for, uh, mm. I, I wouldn't have achieved the success that I, that I have, actually, because uh, if if you're personally internally not clear about what it is you stand for and what you do really well, um, then yeah, the, nobody else will. So it's about cultivating that and then being consistent with the application of it across all the channels that you appear in really, both that sort of online and uh, publicly uh, and kind of how you show up um, with the people that you work with. So that it's sort of how you then get introduced to people as well, where it's like, oh, let me introduce you to Justin. He's the He's the Skype guy, you know, like that. And mm. it's kind of like an off-the-cuff comment, but that's then validation that your personal brand that that you produced um, over the years is is bearing fruit. And I think it uh, it allows you focus from a um, a purpose point of view as well. So then you know, kind of, okay, this is this is who I am. This is my professional identity. And then kind of cultivating that brand around it uh, allows you to. Uh, just really, just kind of be known for who you are and, and your reputation. And then you're not then somebody who is uh, a bit diluted, um, both externally or internally.
0: So I, I was having a conversation actually today with somebody um, who uh, he's an MVP, for, uh, but we were talking about his CV. And his CV is very generic, whereas his MVP status is fairly specific. Um, And we were, and I was trying to trying to discuss, you know, a similar sort of idea that it's better to be known specifically for something than try to be sort of a jack of all trades to to everybody else. Do do you? What opportunities do you feel having that clarity has given you that you might not have had otherwise?
1: Yeah, I think it's. It's a, it's actually a mix of a like one a depth in like a, a hard like a hard topic or an expertise. So for me, it's kind of yeah Microsoft UC and collaboration. But then breadth across some soft skills. So for me, I've achieved success in this space by being able to show up and jump on the whiteboard and walk through an architecture with a customer. But then the next meeting, walk into the CIO and then relate that architecture up to an outcome that they care about and something they're held accountable to the CFO or the COO on around a, a particular thing that's going to move the needle in the p that year for them. And so I think it's about keeping the, the connection between all of those and uh, allowing you to then just stay the course, really, so you don't then get distracted by something else as much. Mm. And uh, there was a book I read a few years ago, I can't recall um, what it was from, but it was basically, if you can combine two or three of these hard and soft skills together, then you're pretty much unstoppable in the market because there's very rarely uh, somebody that, and this can apply across like any anything in, in the tech sector. Like if you know coding Python really well and AI, and you can get up in front of a, a crowd of a thousand people and speak really uh, um, compelling, uh, you can speak very, very well around that and get across an important message and people walk away educated and um, and a bit inspired or motivated. Like that is just it's like gold dust, really, because um, there's like very few people that can combine those kind of skills together.
0: So cu- coming back to the the time back in, in, in Australia, and it's a little bit of a cheesy question, but I'm really interested with this. What, what do you wish that you'd known prior to building that business that you do know now?
1: I think I wish I'd known how many rejections I would have uh, would have gotten and how hard the graph was going to be in that first year. Uh, we literally just had to kind of put your head down and sort of like, you know, sh- shoulder to the pack and just like keep pushing and keep pushing and so I yeah, I didn't know how much of a toll it would have been on uh, um, probably like my self-esteem and um, like how I felt about it all really. And I think like I'm glad I had that well of motivation to tap into to keep me pushing forward because there were like a lot of times I yeah, just didn't get callbacks or emails or there was actually one email I got I was following up on an opportunity and I was kind of nice and polite and I was like, oh, how about you know, I, we come in to talk about this um, in a bit more detail next week. And the reply I got back was, ha how about no? Big explanation, Mark. And that was the, the rejection email I got back. And so I did – If I, I wish I knew how much of a thick skin I needed to, to be successful in that because uh, there were sometimes I was just like, this is really hard and this is making me feel really, like, unmotivated and depressed sometimes. Uh, yeah. And so you, I think you needed super thick skin when you're a frontline sales guy. And so, like, being a, a tech guy, um, building out solutions and architectures before that was just something I hadn't really prepared myself for.
0: It's trying to be a recruiter. <laughs> you're universally loved and welcomed with open arms wherever you go, uh, just, uh, just not often. Um, okay, and so if, if you think about then what you've learned uh, during that time, how has that helped you with your uh, with your current role, and also, you know, you know, how has it got you thinking differently?
1: Yeah, I think it's that experience uh, launching and managing that business helped me uh, as a somebody operating a business itself understand what the <clears throat> the relationships are between sales and marketing, uh, delivery service, the financials, and the kind of back office functions around what a business needs to be successful and the the health and hygiene around all that. And then having that experience itself allows me to have credible conversations with business leaders themselves. So it allowed me to break out of just having a technology focused sales conversation to one of, okay, we're, we're looking at adopting Microsoft teams. We're going to uh, do it right across the organization. And then rather than getting really excited about what the, the upside is going to be the opportunity from a like a personal or a company point of view, just asking some more qualifying questions with the customer based on my own experience of managing and running a business of what's it going to take for the budget to get signed off for this? What does the driver need to be? What pain point do I need to hit on to the point mm. where the customer is going to say, yeah, we absolutely have to do this and we have to do it as soon as possible so that that deal doesn't slip into next quarter's forecast or something. And so I can build some... Um, predictability around kind of how we can grow the business and what we've committed to our own leadership. So I think that has helped me have more credible kind of actual like enterprise conversations with customers, which I think from a career point of view has has somebody that's gone through a transition from an on-premises focused technologist to a cloud-focused kind of IT pro. Uh, That's where a lot of the conversations take place now because the – the business value of a cloud solution needs to be really clear first and foremost before you can get into the point of what is the the practical elements of that look like to so be and this is something that I've I learned at Accenture over the last 14 months of getting really clear around what is it the what's the problem we're trying to solve and what is the case for change so what is the upside for the client to to make that change and it all comes back to that kind of sales conversation as well but I think as somebody who, uh, like, if there's any listeners out there looking at kind of what's the next step for them from a cloud architecture point of view, is just sort of like looking at what does this mean for the customer's business? So, like, if you're a, an Azure person and looking at AI or IoT, is it, how is this going to change the customer experience or how will this help market, uh, manufacturing be more efficient and more effective? And just things that, at the bottom line, what does the somebody in the C-suite care about to get this project greenlit and to actually move into um, the the guts of the really kind of nitty gritty and the stuff that you love doing at work. We are starting to come to the end
0: of our time together, uh, and it's been genuinely fascinating um, hearing about that uh, about your experience. If you could give one or two pieces of advice to people who perhaps might feel that they're coasting a little bit, or you know they're looking to take control of their career in a little bit more, uh, a little bit more certainly uh, in uh, in the new year what would those be?
1: Yeah, I think if I come back to the experience that I had launching Modality in Australia, I would look at where, where have you found some pain points or frictions in your current company or some gaps, be that in the the type of work that you do or solutions you offer to customers or uh, processes and the way that the, the business operates, uh, and then, just kind of get in there and kind of work out how you might solve them um, yourself. And then once you've got a fully formed idea, uh, take that to your leadership and your management um, and then show them an example of how you've done that. And you've kind of touched on, on, on them with your own themes, Will, and kind of showing your work and just getting in there and getting your hands dirty is, is kind of what I did uh, with co-founders and Modality is I put together enough of a skeleton business plan to say, here's what the investment would cost, here's how long it would take to – to get some revenue in the door um, and here's what I need and kind of give me your backing. Uh, and I got it essentially to, to do that. And I think exploring those ideas and opportunities in your own company would be kind of um, uh, the first thing to, to look at, I would say. Uh, and these could be as broad as things like, hey, I, you know, I work at a partner business that uh, it doesn't have a dynamics practice right now and dynamics is growing and why don't we jump into that and doing a bit of research in your in your spare time to what the opportunity is for dynamics that you could show to, to your manager or kind of what the investment would look like uh, and what you would do practically in the first six months to do that. Like always having like a hundred, the first 100-day plan or like a 30, 60, 90-day plan is always something good to demonstrate that you've you've done some research into this. Um, and it can't be, it doesn't need to be as broad as like the, the business and the, uh, the solution side of things. You could be like on a, on a technology side of things as well as just learning about, how you could uh, make the processes that you use in your organization more efficient. So I'd say the broad theme there is just be proactive about where you see gaps and challenges and opportunities in your in your current company and then just get in there and, and get after it and try and, and fill it. Because uh, coming back to your point, um, the, the, the best way to create the kind of new career opportunity or the new role for, for yourself is to, to just get in there and start doing it and get your, get your hands dirty and show that you're um, kind of going beyond uh, what your current job is.
0: So just to recap that, w- what you're suggesting is you could look at your existing business and kind of spot where the gaps might be, figure out what it is, where you might fit into that, and then start doing it and, and demonstrating the value to your yeah.
1: employer? Yeah, I think yeah, I think that would be a, a good thing to do. Like if I was looking uh, somebody who was uh, yeah coasting, like you said, a little bit in my career, I would look at where the adjacent opportunities might be or the ideas um, to to look into where you had a bit of an idea of what the potential might be, um, and then just go out there and explore it and start doing it. And um, I think really really good companies their, their cultures will definitely recognise and reward that. Like, uh, if you're working somewhere where you come up with an idea and you've done the research and they tell you to get back in your box, then um, maybe they should give you a call, Will. Well, mate, look,
0: listen, I, I am frequently available, you know, 24-7, you know, always on LinkedIn. Uh, so, um, so, yeah, and uh, you, you, should, you should give me a call, mate. Microsoft's not all, it, not all it's, it's cut out to be. <laughs> they won't even deal with me. So, pff, nightmare. Um Justin thank you so much for taking the time. Uh before we go I just wanted to say that, that I think from a career perspective it's fascinating that 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 two of the biggest moves of your career have been have been uh architected by your wife. Um but um I just <laughs> wanted to say thank you so much for coming on. Um really fascinating insights uh for, for from from your career. Um and I'll I'll genuinely look forward to speaking to you again in the near future.
1: Cool. No, as well. Yeah, it's been a pleasure.
0: Lovely. Thanks very much mate.
1: Cheers. What
0: for me is very interesting about uh, Justin's career is that he started off doing something quite traditional. Um, Technical person, moved into uh, consultancy, um, moved into uh, the usual sort of pre-salesy type stuff that, that people frequently do when in the partner space. But where he elevated himself, particularly, I feel, was by taking on that uh, that massive challenge of starting up modality over in Australia. I don't think it can uh, be downplayed, the, the effort and the difficulty it takes to suddenly upskill yourself in a completely different area. For somebody who works in the sales space, uh, like myself, you kind of take a lot for granted. But from hearing about what Justin was saying around rejection and determination, those are key traits that that you can't actually teach. You just have to have them. Uh, and I think it's it's a, a massive hat tip to him to, to be able to move away from sort of a back office, comparatively, type role, into being at the forefront of sales. Plus, of course, there's, there's the challenges around leadership, management, uh, and all these things which are more commercial, and I guess soft skills focused, as opposed to hard skills, i.e. technical. These are all things which, which are challenging um, and and can, can often be points of failure for people. Looking at where Justin's ended up now, you know he's been at Accenture and uh, that's, a, a, again, a very tough environment to, to work within. He's moved from being very specific in terms of his technical skills out into broad, broad sort of cross-platform type uh, consulting and is now coming back to that uh to, to that area of specialism again. Moving forwards, I think uh from an industry perspective, there'll be less opportunity for people to be deep subject matter experts in in a certain technology as as the products converge within 365 or, or, or on Azure. Um so I wish him all the best and um thank you ever so much for listening to this uh episode of Uh, careering out of control if you would like to hear more about uh our podcasts then you can go to careeringoutofcontrol.com uh we're on spotify we're on itunes um we're on anchor fm you can hear us everywhere uh yeah so thank you very much uh for for taking the time uh and um i'll hope to hopefully hear from you and speak to you again